There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Ryan Stokeling. I am a student at Temple University studying in educational leadership. Today I have with me uh, Zachary Lewis, also, Principal Zachary Lewis from um, Mastery Charter School at the Thomas location. Thank you for coming today, Zach, as we have this discussion on religious freedom and our school policies. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. And thanks, Ryan, for you know having me here. I'm excited to talk to you about this. It's a big topic. I know at Thomas Elementary, we've had a lot of discussions about this this year as we've been thinking about our upcoming year. So definitely something that we see in education. And I'm happy to talk to you about it today. Thank you. Thank you. So like, let's just dive in now. Um, you know, so tell me about yourself. Tell me about your background. Tell us about your background in education and how you got to the point of principalship. Want the quick story or you want me to dive deep? <laughs> Let's give the, the quick leadership story. All right, the quick story. So I'm from North Carolina. I was born and raised in the southeastern part of the state. I was a North Carolina teaching fellow going into undergrad studies at UNC Charlotte, and that is where I really began my career in education. From that, I was a teacher. I taught eighth grade math. Um, I then went on to be an instructional coach. I became an assistant principal and now landed in Philadelphia um, as the principal of Mastery Charter Thomas Elementary. Wow. So with all of your experiences, whether it was in the classroom or in the administrative role pushing policy, I'm pretty sure that you have crossed paths with uh, religious freedom and then, um, you know, this implementation of it, you know, just actually the backfire of it and all that comes with it is, like you said earlier, it is a hot topic. So religious freedom, as we probably know, comes from our First Amendment right, you know, the freedom of speech, press, religion. Uh, the founding fathers wanted to really set the tone. And of course, that that trickulated all the way down to our school system. So tell me about like how you look at religious freedom with well, the First Amendment right first before we even get down to religious freedom in education. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like religion is something that, you know, ha it cross ties. Like there are some things that have a dual meaning like marriage, like marriage has a state definition of it. It also has a biblical definition of it mm -hmm. and how we interpret and how we apply that definition. You know, it really just depends on the context, where we are and how we're using it. And I think it's the same thing in schools like there are, you know, holidays, for example, there are cultural celebrations. There are things that um, have a religious meaning to them and they're also 
also things that have like cultural meanings and different implications. Yeah. And it's about us as school leaders and, you know, school staff. How do we interpret that for the student experience? Absolutely. So and, and when we when we're looking at like religious freedom, first, like freedom of speech, um, freedom of press, you know, some schools actually have their student government give, you know, the daily news or a weekly news. What are some hurdles that you faced as a either as a teacher or as a school leader um, when protecting staff members, students with the fir their First Amendment right in the education? And, you know, um, can you describe those hurdles as well? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of myself as like a teacher or when my career first started, like I'm from North Carolina. I'm from a very religious family. Um, as a matter of fact, my father's side of the family, we have our own church. So like, mm -hmm. you know, my great grandfather established a church and that still operates today. I'm a member there. And I know that, you know, religion to me, whenever there's a, something going on that I can't explain or I don't have an answer for it, or if I just need something to say, I need strength right now from an unknown source, then I tap into that, you know, foundation with you know god and i like Absolutely. say i do my prayers and i that gets me through and i know that for students or you know staff coming into a school everyone also has that own you know individual spirit realm that they tap into and so i think you know there are times where we have to protect that for you know students and individuals i know my first year teaching there was an instance where a young man in our school, like, you know, he lost his father yeah. and he came into the school the very next day. And the first thing that the mom was saying, she's like, you know, I just got to pray. And, you know, I got this. And I was like, you know what? This here, this is a grieving child. This is a grieving mom. This is a family. And they go to God. That's who they see, you know, for to get through. They see that as their strength and their meaning. So what I can do in school is say, you know what? If you need space, you need know, a little quiet minute. If you want to come into the classroom while we're going to lunch or, you know, something to just take a second for yourself then you can do that i'm not going to tell them go in the room and pray mm -hmm. you know this yeah. is on you mm -hmm. but i try to make sure that space is there so students can express themselves in a way that they see fit that's that's actually a great answer because you know in philadelphia is it's a vast array of there are a vast array of different ideologies belief systems religions um you know, of course, ethnicity. So, like, you're getting... It's like a, a mini melting pot. You know, of course, the big melting pot is New York. But Philly is like a mini melting pot of the world. Um, and Thomas specifically as well. Um, also, I just want to talk about what does religious freedom mean to you um, personally? And, of course, as a leader in the school system. Well, personally, it means that, like, I have the right to, you know, serve the God that I choose to serve. It means that I have the right to, you know, study the religious text that I want to study for myself. And it means that I can make the decision to say, like, this is the religion that I want to identify with. I want to express. I want to celebrate. I want to connect. I want to network. Like, I have those decisions that I can make as an individual. And, like, that's what that right is. Yeah. And I think as a school leader, it means that it's my job to make sure that that right is also protected for all the staff in my building, for the students in my building, and all the families and, you know, where they come from. Mm -hmm. um, just a little context about Thomas Elementary, like our school itself, we are on the actual property of a Catholic church. Wow. We have nuns that live on our property. We have the priest that lives on our property. And, you know, our school building is attached to the church where they actively have mass uh, in the mornings. They have prayer. They're having funeral processions. They're having... Uh, 
you know, religious gatherings while we are in the building and also having class and having school. So, you know, this is something that we see and deal with on a daily basis. And it's my job to make sure that that school experience is protected for my students, our, their families and our staff, while also making sure that the church is able to um, operate independently on that property and be able to have their services and have the things that are important to them. Absolutely. And the, the reason why this is definitely a hot button issue, um, we're very familiar with the climate of politics. You know, I think in, in the last 10 years, we've have we have seen and witnessed and experienced the waves of politics. You know, it's up, it's down, it's steady at one point in time, and then it's once again up and down, up and down. Um, recently, the Supreme Court uh, had a case where a teacher named Joe Kennedy, his, his case went all the way to the Supreme Court and they ruled in his favor. Joe Kennedy is a football coach, I believe in Texas, well, now I believe in Texas. And after the game, he decided to pray uh, on the field. And it was a hot button issue. And then it came to, well, you know, our staff employees uh, supposed to exhibit their religious expression at a school event or anything pertinent to school. And so that once again became a hot button issue, which made him drive the case all the way to the Supreme court because he actually got fired. So my question for you is, and one thing that the Supreme court did argue was that there is a separation, just like we have a separation of church and state. That's right. There's a separation between citizen, private citizen and district employee or, you know, staff employee if you're at a private school or and or charter school. There should be a separation between the two. Uh, can you explain or can you express your feelings about that and describe a time when, once again, you saw for as a staff member with yourself or with somebody else where there was you there was a separation between the two? Yeah, you know, there's there's always a, we we have to know how to code switch. And I remember, like, you know, there are times where we have conversations with kids and say, you know, hey, what you might deem to be appropriate when you are at home or like the way that you would interact with your friends or the way you interact with like, you know, people in, at a game or whatever is going to be different than how you're going to interact with people in a school building. Because mm -hmm. this is a school like, you know, there's a way that we have to conduct ourselves and, you know, you have to learn the code switch. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, professionals like what I do in my personal life when I'm outside of the building would not always be um, acceptable as a professional when I'm in the building, like not even just thinking about religion. And so if I think about about religion specifically like who I pray to you know what I believe in and like the beliefs and customs that I would have as a result of that cannot always be the things that dictate how I would conduct myself if I were in school and it, and it has to be that has to be true because thinking about the building that I have we have students that are Hindu we have students that are Jewish I have students that are Christian I have students that you know come from different countries they all yeah. have different beliefs and so for me to say well this is what I believe or this is how I practice and this is what I think to be true and then come and push that onto um, all 600 of our students and their families like that would not be fair and it wouldn't be acceptable. So, you know, I, going back to the code switching, I do believe that when I come into the building, I'm a professional and it's my job to lead the community by taking into account all the different beliefs and things of everyone in our community and making sure that every student 
every family, every parent, every staff member can feel safe. They can feel like they can be themselves and they also can feel like they can meet the gold standard of what we believe for our community to be the Thomas L experience. So, and so like based upon your answer, would you say that it was appropriate for Joe Kennedy to pray at a school event um, as long as he wasn't forcing or uh, appealing to players to do the same or was it inappropriate because of the image that it could have? Um, you know, I don't know what the man was praying for, you know, so I'll say that. But what I will say is, you know, if the school district has said that, like, you know, staff members should not be, you know, publicly praying or should not be publicly uh, displaying their religion, you know, in, you know, settings like a game, then, you know, that's something that as an employee, you know, you would have to honor. Like that is the gold standard for that district. That's the custom for that district. And so as an employee of that district, you have the responsibility of adhering to whatever of the policies are that set forth um, similar to you know me and my district like you know my I'm thinking of an aunt my aunt is a school principal she's been that way for years she's now um, a deputy superintendent for a district she's also the pastor of you know our family's church that I mentioned earlier and she has that responsibility when she goes to work she does not do prayer and worship service she did not like go out and like, wear or bring her bible with her because there's policy that is set forth by that district that you are going to conduct yourselves absent of any religious beliefs. You are not going to put your beliefs on those of others. And, you know, your workplace is not a place of expressing your religion. Like you can go in your office and pray before the game. You can go in your office or away from everyone and, you know, have that talk with God. But doing that on public display is not something that I think would be appropriate, or at least I would not do that. So, and I'm, I'm, I mean, that leads into the next question about this, this idea of like respect, right? Because, you know, although, I mean, it's, it's, it's a law now because the Supreme Court did rule in Joe Kennedy's favor where, you know, there is, there's a, there's, there's a war, it seems like, or just a balance between, let me say balance, a balance between religious uh, discrimination versus religious freedom well, and or religious liberty. So can you describe your mentality behind that? Like, you know, and, and then implementation of religious liberty and not trying to discriminate one's, one's religion in your school building, whether it be a student or a staff member. Yeah, I think the, the best way to do that is just to give people the space to do things that they believe in and that they feel good about. Um, one thing that I do at our, that we do at Thomas Hall Elementary is we have a moment of silence every morning. And that moment of silence is really a moment of pause, a moment of reflection to give students a chance to say, we're starting off the school day. You can reflect, you know, on any way that you feel necessary to be able to get yourself set up for that day. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a student or a staff member, if I close my eyes in that 60 seconds and I just want to say, you know, God be with me for the day. And I can do that. And no one has to know that I'm doing it. If I want to say, you know, and close my eyes in that 60 seconds and just really have a moment of just absence, I'm not thinking about praying, I'm not doing anything, then I can do that as well. And so I think like going back to this war, what we really have to do is look at there's a lot more things that can unite us. And there's a lot more things that can bring us together than there are things that can separate us. And I think the job of leadership is to say, how can we create those spaces, you know, in our 
day-to-day routines in schools. So if there are like very religious students or very religious staff members and they want to have those micro moments to just pray or have a touch point, you know, with, you know, their their leader or, you know, their their God or whomever that they're serving, then they can do that in a way that it doesn't push those beliefs on others. It doesn't show others like how they would practice and it also respects their individual beliefs. Good. And, and, and you know, I, you know, I think even with the law that or, or this case with Joe Kennedy and, and the Supreme Court justice, there was an argument about limitations. You know, Joe Kennedy is a devout Christian. Right. And, you know, there are a lot of world religions and contrary to popular belief, you know, I, I know there's a, a idea of, you know, the separation between church and state. But America was pretty much founded by white Christian men, if we were to be honest. And this this mentality of, you know, the dominant religion for this country would be Christianity. So him praying on the field um, and everybody knows he's, a you know, a faithful Christian uh, member of, uh, of a church. I think it was deemed more acceptable. Right. But then there's limitations or are there limitations? So if there was a religion that somebody isn't more you know favorable for or that's not favorable um because we know that there are different rituals and practices that people believe in doing um where do we get in our education system with this law now that had that we have to respect religious liberty but at the same time when is it enough is too not enough is enough like when is like oh no 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 your religious practice or the way that you pray is a little bit extreme compared to the way that Mr. Joe Kennedy in the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. So what's your feelings on that? Well, I think the answer to that is going back to like the law that existed in the first place. This is why we have a separation of church and state, because without that separation, then it becomes the question of if he had not been a Christian that was out there praying and he were a Muslim and, you know, or if he were a Hindu, then would we have the same response? Because according to, you know, um, our country and our beliefs and going back to the First Amendment, every religion, regardless of what it is, would be able to have that same respect. And, you know, and unfortunately, I don't believe that would be the case. I think, as you mentioned, with our founding fathers, like education is an institution. It was an institution that was designed um, by, you know, white men, and it was actually designed for white men that were property owners that had children that of course would be able to grow and like learn to be able to vote and to be active members of you know society at the time we've expanded you know our education system now to be able to serve women to be able to serve black children brown children um in today's world children that are gay children that are straight children that you know come from different religions like we should not discriminate against anyone and for that so for that very reason that separation of church and state has to be in place because then it becomes up to leaders or up to the interpretation of individuals to say, well, prayer in this case is acceptable because you're a Christian and, you know, that's fine. But if you're praying, then that wouldn't be acceptable. Or if you're doing this and that's not good and it opens up that door and what ultimately you would want to be true at any school. And I know what I want to be true at my school campus is regardless to what your religion is, regardless to what you choose to practice or who you choose to believe in, you have a right to come to school. You have a right to learn. You have a right to be able to enjoy the school day. And for children, you have a right to be a child. Like you, you have a right to be removed from all of the politics and things that adults get anxiety and that we stress over. Children aren't thinking about things in this way. So we should be teaching them the right way, which is love your brother and your sister 
get along with everyone, learn together, and continue to make your mind better so when you graduate, you can have the opportunity to do what you want to do in life. Absolutely. And, you know, something that you said earlier about Thomas, um, and once again, he's you're a principal at Mastery Charter School. We know the difference. We can get into that in another question, but, like, the difference between charter schools, private schools, public schools, um, you know, homeschool. I mean, there's so many. There's a, there's a vast array of differences, but... Being at Thomas Elementary, and you mentioned how you all are connected to a church or a church is um, housing you all uh, as well. Uh, how do you protect your your demographics of students? Um, you know, wh- what do you believe your demographics of students are as far as religion? Uh, you know, how many, uh, what, would, what percentage would you associate with Christianity and X, Y, Z? Um, but how do you protect students who are, who may not be, Christian or a devout, you know, Catholic, uh, while there are religious ceremonies happening within the same building or the same campus um, during the day. Awesome. So I think the the three things that come to my mind is communication. Um, you have to have transparency. And then I think you have to do everything with an open mind, like you have to remain open. Uh, one thing that we do do at Thomas, so uh, I'll step back, actually, to answer your question about our religion. So about half of the students at our school, I would say, identify as Christian. And within that bucket, you know, there are Catholics, you know, there are your Baptists, etc. Um, and then we do have a large population of students that are also Hindu. Um, I had a chance to we have a cultural ambassador group of students at our school that actually lead like community tours and like cultural tours for students and staff and they did lead a tour where we got a chance to go into and meet the monk we went into a temple and you know that was really like eye-opening for me to see like wow like I didn't realize that a large subset of our families this is how they practice religion this is what they believe in and you know that again does not disrupt the offerings that we have for all of our students. Yeah. Um, we have Jewish staff members. We have a, lot, a significant population of Muslim students. And to go about how we're able to bring all of them together on the property of a Catholic church and be able to continue with a regular school day, one thing that we have to do is acknowledge that all of those different groups exist within our school community. We have to acknowledge it for ourselves as a staff. We have to acknowledge it for our students to be able to teach and build tolerance. And we also have to acknowledge that for our families and the community so they understand that we are serving a population that's diverse, not just by race, but also by the different religious practices in our building. We do have time set up, like we have uh, times during the day where our Muslim students can go and pray to stick with their prayer schedule. Like we have staff members that will sponsor that at different locations so those students can have it. We also have like with holidays and celebrations, we have a monthly programming calendar where we honor all holidays. So if there's any holiday that we know that someone celebrates outside of school or in school, religious holiday or not, is something that we make it a point to acknowledge in our school. And we acknowledge the cultural aspect of that holiday, not the religious aspect. So every student can know like, oh, as Christmas is important to Christian Christians, we you know acknowledge that Christmas is a holiday that we celebrate. We also acknowledge Yom Kippur. We acknowledge Eid and other holidays that are important to other religious groups. And I think the beauty in that is that all of our children and even the staff members, myself included, learn that like, man, this is what this holiday means for this group of people. This is what this means for this group of people. And that tolerance that we then teach and we build is what allows all of our students and all of our staff to go back into Philadelphia and be more accepting and be more understanding of each other. And I want to stay on that point because, I mean, that's that's actually a big point. I mean, throughout the 10 month 
you know, school year, 180 days, there are a number of religions uh, who practice a holiday or celebrate a holiday throughout our school year, right? You know, I mean, we open up the school year with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, and then you pretty much end with Ramadan, you know, hosting a whole month for celebratory uh, and, and fasting and prayer um, for their, for the believers uh, of that faith base as well. So how do you uh, balance that cultural aspect of explaining to students or honoring those religious, those religious celebratory holidays. And it's really focusing on the cultural aspect to prevent a student from going home and saying, mom, dad, I want to be Muslim because I learned at Thomas that this is how Ramadan is, you know, like that, that balance where I'm not teaching you to be a devout Muslim or devout Christian or uh, Jewish uh, individual, but I'm just exposing you to the culture of our society. How do you balance that? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I want to start off with something that we rehearse and say at our school all the time, which is our vision. And I won't read the whole thing, but it opens with Thomas Elementary is a joyful equitable and anti-racist learning community and right there in itself you know that equitable joyful and anti-racist coming together means that we are going to be celebratory we are going to acknowledge the diversity that's within our school building and we are going to make sure that every child that comes into our school regardless of what they look like what they celebrate what they believe in they are going to be able to come here and feel connected to something that we have to offer at our school like that is important and that's what we strive to represent each and every day and so going back to those holidays, when I meet with parents at the beginning of the school year, I'm very explicit in the messaging to them that like to be an anti-racist school, to be a school that is equitable and joyful at the same time, we are going to celebrate all of the culture that is represented in this school community. And part of culture is religion. So are we going to like for Christmas, are we going to sit down and say like, hey, guys, baby Jesus was born and they were going to we're not going to do that because that's not our job yeah. to go into the religious teaching of the holidays. Holiday. But what we will do is say the message of Christmas is about giving. It's about loving. It's about coming together as family and as community. And so, like, those are the messages that I would want to make sure students know when they understand. Yeah. And we do that for all of the different holidays. So anytime that there's an event, that there's a holiday or there's a celebration, we do give students the education around this is the culture. This is the significance of what this holiday means for this group of people. And then parents are also, they're, they're aware of that because we put it out on a blast. I send a weekly blast out on Fridays. Hi, families. You know, right now, eat is something that's taking place. And so there are a significant group of our students that are fasting that lead up to this moment. They're not eating. They're doing this. And like they're doing this in hopes to do this. And then because they believe that by taking away and by building this resilience and having a singular focus, it makes you more... Um, it makes you more structured and more focused as an individual. And so like, those are the messages that we would give staff, our parents, our understanding of that. And honestly, a lot of their parents love to send their kids to the school because they know that their child is getting an education that's beyond the books, but it's also teaching them tolerance and it's teaching them how to be a better member of a society that just like Thomas Elementary is very diverse and that encompasses people that have different beliefs, customs, backgrounds and ways of doing things. Absolutely. And, and um, I'm going to let you go, but I could talk about this topic all day. Um, I, I do want to talk about this, the difference between, you know, a charter school, because you have charter school experience right now at Mastery, where you've gone up the ranks of, you know, assistant principal to principal. 
um, in in a in a great amount of time. I mean, you were in in about a three year span, um, and then you know you look at your educational background where you have, of course, you know your bachelor's, where your your um, your, your your grad and um, your master's in educational leadership, I believe, and then of course your undergrad in education. So you have your educational experience, and then your internships, and then your teaching experience. So, what would you say would be the difference in you, the a district? We can just stay with Philadelphia area, uh, Philadelphia school district um, outlook on religion in the school system, and what you experienced as a leader. Even when you was in the Philadelphia school district, you was an admin member as a climate manager, um, which is still driving school climate and culture. Uh, and then you come to, you know, of course, mastery and you're doing the same thing, but then you're the principal. So what would you say would be the difference as far as a leadership role, seeing education and religion in a district um, policy way and a mastery policy way? Right. Um, I don't know if it's too much of a difference. I think the really thing that comes down to it is just leadership. Like, you know, it really focuses on like, who is the leader? Who is leading this work? And what does that leader believe in terms of the student experience? Like, you know, it is true that there are public schools. Like, I have worked at schools where, just like at Thomas Elementary, like, you know, that belief of kids being able to come in from different backgrounds, from different, you know, customs or ways of doing things and come into one building and learn alongside their peers, that happens in public schools. Yeah. Um, in the district, I worked at George Washington High School, which I would say is the high school equivalent to Thomas Elementary in terms of the diversity, in terms of um, the student body that just is vastly different with different religion groups and things that are in the campus. And just like at Thomas, uh, I'm at, at Washington High School, similar to Thomas Elementary, we had cultural celebrations. We had different programs to make sure that students learn um, tolerance and they learn how to grow and learn alongside each other. And I think what's true across both schools from the charter and the public school is that both of us had a principal like Sue Thompson. She's still the current principal of George Washington High School. She's a really good leader. And one thing that she leads with is this open vision of making sure that like all children that come in that building sees a part of their culture or a part of their identity represented in the policies and in the way the, the way to way that, in the day to day operations of the school. And that's something that I've learned from her as an exemplar principal to say when I become the principal of a community right now a public charter school i want to make sure that that same experience is true yeah. so it can be done across both campuses but it really just to turn it really depends on who the leader of that campus is and like their mindset and their belief and their openness to be able to lead in a way that all children can learn grow and you know be able to be them their best authentic selves that's great i mean you know you, you I'm going to let you go, but like I said earlier about the climate of politics, I mean, you know, every administration has their their imprint on education, uh, whether that be, you know, President Bush really invested in No Child Left Behind. Um, then you had President Obama, who kind of put a little bit of pressure on unions and wanted to set up systems of accountability for teachers, uh, and then you have Trump come in, President Trump come in, and, you know, he had the whole freedom, uh, you know, the choice of, you know, public school system uh, for, for parents and, and their family, the freedom to choose. Um, and then, of course, President Biden is, he's been dealing with a pandemic, but his imprint on education as well. 
Um, and now with this big religion and religious freedom push with the Supreme Court, well, decision from the Supreme Court, I'm pretty sure the Biden administration is going. The job of the central office is to take all of these changing policies, to understand them, unpack them, put them together for a meaningful experience to make sure that when kids go to school, going back to what I just mentioned, we can let the children learn. Like, Absolutely. you know, the children should experience the least amount of all of this, the stress that comes from changing policy, you know, changing decision-making beliefs of all of these different individuals because they come to school just wanting to simply grow, wanting to be better, wanting to be smarter, and wanting to have opportunity when they graduate. So if we as school leaders understand that and we do our job and just, I see this policy change is coming, how can I be able to protect the integrity of what we offer and what our school stands for while also being in alignment with that? That's the work. That is what I signed up for. That is what other you know school leaders have signed up for. And we just have to do that. And my message to future leaders would be, remember who you serve. Like, you know, we are here because we serve children. And thinking of Ella Josephine Baker, um, someone that I look up to a lot, you know, her work around servant leadership is knowing that when you work in a public setting, when you work in a public school, you are serving the children. Like, that is our job. And so... No matter what anyone else says, no matter what anyone's belief is or anyone's policy is, whatever children are afforded the privilege of coming to your school that you lead and that you're running, remember that your work is to serve those children and to serve their families. And as long as you keep that to the forefront, then you will be successful. Thank you so much, Zach. Principal Lewis. Principal Lewis. That's Principal Lewis for coming. Uh, You know, that was a well, I mean, that was, I think this was a well, um, Put interview. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but the response that you gave in regards to religious freedom um, in the school system and just different approaches to policy as an educational leader, I think that is very beneficial for somebody like myself, a young aspiring school leader, and my classmates and my peers as well. I do want to thank uh, my friend Reggie Coleman and the Playmaker Podcast for hosting us today uh, and allowing us to uh, be produced by him. So I definitely want to thank him for that. And uh, let's have a great day. And can I can I just say thank you as well for like, you know, even just creating this space to have this conversation, because these are the things that we really should be talking about as educators, as school leaders to like continue to make it a great place. So thank you for doing this work and, you know, for keeping the conversation going. And I'm Absolutely. happy to have been a part of it. Absolutely. We got to do this more. Visit our website at theplaymakerpodcast.com. And subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.